Go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. A little bit different this morning. I know, and listen, every once in a while, changing locations like this can, I don't know, do something for our hearts just or reorient some stuff, get us to thinking about other things other than just um, where our specific pew is or where we sit. So. My, my hope is that uh, as we study the Word this morning, um, we'll have our hearts stirred for the affections of, of Christ and um, love His Word. I'm going to read the first two verses, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into the idea here. Let all who are under the yoke of bondservants regard their masters as worthy of all honor. So that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the grounds that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who, are, who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. And God, I ask this morning that you would move me aside. That there would be none who hear me, but rather they would hear from you directly. God, I pray that you'd guard our hearts. You focus our attention on the word. Help us to see the truth of your word. Uh, We love you and praise you in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. So we live in a culture... We live in a culture that does not look down on slothfulness. We live in a culture um, that looks at laziness and slothfulness as rather something to be rewarded than shunned. People are allowed to do things and, well, I'm sorry, not do things and still get rewarded. God's word says something very much. God talks about slothfulness often in the text. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 15 says, Slothfulness casts you into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Now here's the problem in the culture today. Because hunger is is an incredible motivator. Scripture does say specifically, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And we live in a culture that has bypassed the word of God and said, well, you don't work, we're still going to feed you. Hunger is an incredible motivator, for, especially for men. Can I get an amen from anybody that likes a good cheeseburger or a good steak? Amen. So the idea here is slothfulness. The idle person will suffer hunger. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24 says, The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So, listen, we have a, this mentality that work is horrible. We have, listen, and I'll, I'll, as your pastor, stand here and openly say that I felt this way for a long time as well, but I've had to repent and change directions over the years. That work in and of itself is not a bad thing. We, we somehow think that work is something that took place after the fall. Just like uh, there's a few verses. This is just a few verses in Proverbs that we've read about 
the idea of work. But work is something that happened as a result, not of the fall, but of God saying, I want to create work. God created work. God made work for us to do. God told us that we should work. And in fact, he said it was good. He looked at everything in the garden and said it was good. And Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate or work it and to keep it. So the idea that work is a post-fall scenario is a wrong view. Work happened as a result of God making work. In fact, even in the new kingdom, there's going to be jobs that are going to be handed out. Everybody's going to have a job. My dad always said he wanted to be the sheriff of Washington and Osage County. I think because he said it long enough and just made the joke that God's got a sense of humor and he just might give it to him. I, I don't know, but I, I just think that that's, that was always the thing he said in the, new, in the kingdom. I want to be the sheriff of Washington and Osage County, which I mean, I know he was joking, but it's still funny. But work is God ordained. Christians, and here's the thing, Christians should strive to be the best employees and strive to build businesses that are known as the best businesses in the marketplace. Like God created Christians to work and man, we should be the best because who are we ultimately working for? We're actually also ultimately working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians should be the best workers, the best employees, not looking for ways to skirt around and not do as much. Because, listen, I know that that's the culture we live in. That's the culture we live in is get by with as little as, much, as, little as possible and get paid for as much as you can. That's not a biblical idea. That's not a biblical idea. That's actually shunned in the text. So today in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we see that Paul tells Timothy to tell those that are in the church that they should be known as the most diligent and respectful workers that could ever be. Verse 1 says, let all that are under the yoke of bondservants. So this is, everybody starts to try to twist this a different way and say, oh, listen, this is slavery. This is not, this is an employee. This is the text. This is what it was called. Under the yoke of a bondservant, you should work for your wages here. Regard their own master as worthy of all honor so that the name of the Lord and, t- and the teaching is not reviled. Don't be an employee that says, hey, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and then be a lazy lout. We should be employees that go above and beyond and they should be like, man, that guy, that gal, she works so hard. He works so hard. Man, what, what's the difference? Well, man, they love the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the, that's why do we work hard? Because we don't want the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ to be reviled. And if people, well, that guy, that old boy's a Christian. Well, he is not worth his salt. It's an old saying that people used to get paid in salt back in the day. Obviously, that's not a thing now. But thank the Lord, we're, we're not having to do that. But this is the idea here is if you're not worth your salt, if you're not working as you should, you're, you're actually disparaging the name of Christ. So Christians should work hard so that the name of Christ is not cast into a light that's unfavorable. That is... Being said, some of, and here's the thing, some of the laziest people that I have, have met, and I'm going to, I'm going to, so this week I watched a lecture.
from a guy named David Bonson. I actually saw him live and in person at the Ark when I went to the Ark earlier in October. Fascinating individual. He is, he is an incredible speaker, loves the Lord Jesus Christ. His wheelhouse is trying to help men and women in the workspace. And just a fantastic guy. And he said a statement that really just... It, I, growing up in the church, I've been around ministers and ministries my whole life. And some of the laziest people you're ever going to meet are pastors. Some of the laziest people you will meet are pastors. Now, not all of them. If you're, and here's the deal. If you're doing the thing right... You're going you're gonna to wring yourself out for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a min- and you should, as a minister of the gospel, you should wring your life out for Christ. But some of the laziest people I have met personally are pastors. In fact, some of, you know why most pastors want to get into full-time ministry? Because it's easy. It's easy. It's, like, listen, if your church... And I've got heat for this one from a lot of people. If your church has less than 100 people in it, you should not have a full-time pastor. You just shouldn't. You shouldn't have a full-time pastor. You don't need one. Now, if we're, if we're running four, five, six, seven hundred people, yeah, we might want to do that. We want, might want to run that direction. But if you you got a church that's 34, like I know a church that's got 30 or 40 people and they've got two full-time staff members. That's, that's a... Massive waste of the resources of that church. You don't need a full-time youth guy and a music guy and a full-time pastor. That is draining on the church. And these guys are making sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year. That like that is just wrong. Like it's just it's just wrong. Um, David Bonson said, "Most preachers don't preach on hard work because most preachers don't work hard." <laughs> and that's the truth. Like I, I remember my dad having guys in, and they and some of these guys would brag on it. Like they would, they would, they would brag in such a way that say, "Well, I, uh, I love being a pastor because I don't have to do much." Like they would openly say it. And a lot of these, like youth guys, I've, I've, I've run around with a lot of now. Not all the youth guys I've run with. Some of them are hardworking guys trying to figure out ways to, to get into spaces and share the gospel. I've got a buddy that, that goes in and he's a substitute teacher and goes into school and tries to help. He's, all, that's, he's supplementing his income, but he's also working and trying to meet kids and try to know them and get to know them. And does his job as a youth pastor, but he's doing more than just that. He's not lazy. He's working his guts out for the kingdom. Praise God. I, I do have some, some very awesome friends that are working hard. But there are some that just... They're looking for, they're, they're playing games. And we've, we've so structured youth ministry that we don't give the, the, the ability for youth pastors to speak for 40 minutes to kids because they say, well, kids' attention spans are not long enough. Um, last year, last year, collectively, gamers spent collectively the equivalent of 10.4 million years playing Fortnite. Collectively, as a group, 10.4 million years playing Fortnite. So don't tell me that kids have short attention spans. They do not. Uh, we went and watched the movie Killers of the Flower Moon this last week. Almost a four-hour movie. Guess what? No one got up. 
Everybody sat for four hours. So today we're going to be here for another three at least. So just. <laughs> but 10.4 million years. That, let that sink in. For us to say, well, kids can't handle a 40-minute message. Kids can't sit through that stuff. That is the largest, giantest, massivest pile of garbage lie that comes from the pit of hell. So you know what youth pastors do? They spend their week preparing games, food, parties, and then they got a 15-minute TED Talk. Don't address the need for repentance. Don't address the need of the the law of God. This last week in Bartlesville, we had seven young people break into a house at 2 a.m. to beat the thunder out of another youngster who they didn't deem as somebody that should be left alone. I don't know why they did it. I'm sure maybe there was a collective reason. But at 2.30 in the morning, that, that's pretty bold of them, had guns on them in the house. Why? Because we refuse, we've taken every semblance, every visibility of the law of God out of the public square. We don't talk about the, we don't talk about the Ten Commandments. We don't talk about thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. We don't talk about those things because, well, that's too judgy. But like that, it might offend somebody. That's, that's silly. It's hogwash to believe that, that we can't have men and women who sit under teaching for 45 minutes to an hour and, and handle those things. The reason, we're not, the reason we're in the state we're in is because we've so placated to the idea that people can't handle listening to the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we know from the book of John, those who hear these things, God draws us in. And we don't, we don't. We're going to want to come. We're going to want to be here. Humanity will do what they want to do. And I, I, I can make my sermon five minutes and there's somebody somebody's going to say, well, Caleb, that's, waste, that's still too long. <laughs> Listen to this. David Ravenhill, the son of Leonard Ravenhill, the guy who wrote Why Revival Terries. Um, he said this. We don't tarry at the cross long enough. We're fast food Christians. We want, to, we want the work done in an instant. And sometimes God needs us to linger under the weight of repentance. Before we really break open. That's, we, don't, we don't linger under the weight of our sin sometimes. We just want to, God, just, hurry, just, just forgive me and let me get on. I remember as a I got listen, as a young man, young buck, dad would spank me. Before he would spank me, I would get a lecture. Anybody else get lectures before you get whipped? Listen, I lived in a cult, I lived in a house that did not take there was no such thing as go to your room and take time out. Dad took time out to spank my behind. But beforehand he would preach a sermon. I would be sitting in a chair and I would just think to myself, Dad, can you just whip me and get it over with? Can you just whip me and get it over with? I'm ready to just move on with my day, please. But he, the idea was he was exposing sin in my life. He needed me to see that I, there was weight of sin in my life that needed to be repented of. He didn't want to just, yes, there was going to be consequences for my sin. But because I lied, that was, we're going to talk about why you shouldn't lie. Because you're breaking one of the commands of God. 
He's, he's using the law to, as Romans chapter 3 says, as a schoolmaster to teach me that I need to repent and I need a savior. We need pastors. We need pastors that let their people sit under the weight of the word of God. And we need pastors who are willing to say it's okay to be uncomfortable for a minute in your church. It's, listen, if we never leave here uncomfortable, we've got a problem. If we never leave here going, golly, he stepped on my toes a little bit. We just met, we talked to a lady yesterday at Jude's coffee shop in town. And she said, if I don't go to a church and I don't have my toes stepped on a little bit, I don't know if I should be there. I, I, think, I think of Jesus and what he said to the woman at the well. John chapter four, verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying these things to you, give me a drink. You would have asked and he would have given you living water. If if you knew who it was you were really talking to, if you knew who you were dealing with, you would not say horrible things like we need to have our sermons shorter. We need to have a shorter attention span for our kids. Because here's the deal. I give an account to God, not you. I give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ, not your kids. And so, yeah, we need to sit under the weight of the word of God for a little bit to show us what it means to follow Christ, what it means to submit our lives. And listen, sometimes we as Christians are haphazardly running in buildings, running out, waiting for God to do his thing. And we're just like, hurry, God, I... It's, it's, it's not, it's almost 12. We've got to go. We got to go. But so many pastors I've come in contact, preach um, messages. They piece together talks. And a bulk of the time people are sitting in the pews. They don't care as long as it checks their box. They can walk in, check the box and go home. I did my part. When's the last time you ask your pastor, hey, how's it going? How are you? What are you studying this week? We don't we don't do that. We don't. Why? Because we're not really interested in what our pastor's doing as long as he does his thing on Sunday mornings. Pastors should spend hours pouring over the text. I have heard stories about some folks who come in 10 minutes before the service and go download sermons off the internet and use them and read them directly off of a computer. That's wicked. You should not be a pastor if that's what you're doing. But that is a thing. And now we've got chat GPT, AI, that are, people are generating, you can, I could generate an entire sermon in 35 seconds. All I gotta do is tell chat GT, GT, GP, whatever it is, the AI. All I got to do is tell the AI, hey, I need about a 40-minute sermon on this topic. Give me the verses. Now, I need three points. Go. And you can have a sermon in no time. Pastors should be pouring over the text, studying the words individually, looking at them, seeing what's, what the weight, what the responsibility, what the meaning of the text is. But we've got pastors that come in, that are coming into the room and they just sort of kind of rush in. They piece together some sort of a talk. And then the rest of their week, they're just sort of kind of cruising and coasting and having a good time. Sleeping in, 
running around town, playing. I'm telling you, they should wring their lives out for their families and for the church. Christians should be known as the best and hardest workers in the company. That's verse 1. Verse 2. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the job. On the grounds that they are brothers rather than they must serve all the more better. All the better. Since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Woo! Well, hey, wait a minute. So if I'm working for a Christian, I better work even harder. Yes. Why? Because that's my brother. That's his business. I should strong. Man, I want to see Christian businesses thrive. Mm-hmm. I want to see Christian business owners, man, get it. Win. Win big. So guess what? If I'm an employee and I'm over there, how much can I? The boss ain't looking. What can I get away with today? No. Look for avenues and ways that you can help the brother or sister that has a business. So that their business thrives. And sometimes it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So guess what? We're, this, my wife and I, we have a brother that's um, in South Carolina. He's a pastor and he, he street preaches and regularly preaches. You know what he does for his job? He makes beautiful tables. Makes incredible furniture. And when I say beautiful, it is, he's a former military guy. Stunning work. We've been looking for a kitchen table because we've redone our living room and our, our, our kitchen and our, and our dining room. And our, we don't need a, as big of a table because we have this big open bar that's going to be there with the places for people to sit. It's got a big island. It's going to have places for people to sit. So we're going to look for a smaller table. Every table we look at, A, doesn't fit our... Our, our parameters, but B, I'm tired of giving pagans money. Yes, come on. I'm tired of giving people who have crazy, horrible, anti Christ, anti Christian worldviews my money. So, guess what? I've got a brother who wants to make a table for me. It's, he's competitive in his price. He's willing to drive it here from South Carolina. I said, listen, if we work this out, guess who's preaching at my church? I'm going to bring, I'm bring, bring Brother Brock in, and he's going to, like, you talk about heat. This brother can preach. He can preach. So, if you work for a Christian, you should be an employee that works all the more. Like, I, I just started this company uh, in July called The Nine Minds. Man, I, I love working for them. Christian Brothers. The guy I worked for before, his name is John Bond. He owned DSR. He passed away in July. I worked for that man for 14 years. And I was known as the guy who would work my guts out for that guy. If he called me, whatever you need me to do, yes, sir. How can I help you? What can I do for you? And guess what? There was promotions that happened. They gave me more responsibilities. And I always prayed, Lord, I don't want to work for this company if I don't work for John. And God opened a door and I started working at this other company and a week later he died. Wild, right? And I wouldn't say he died, he got promoted. <laughs> brother, got, brother got promoted. Ultimate promotion. So that's my, 
that's my idea is if you work for a Christian, work even harder. And if you work for a pagan, works, work hard so that you could, you could share the gospel with your pagan boss. So they could be like, man, there's something different. You don't come in here with a bad attitude. You don't come in here acting a fool. You don't come in here griping or complaining. Man, you're just a hard work. Why is that? Well, number one, because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, I, I want to take care of my family. But number one, I, I love Jesus and I want to show off Christ well at my workplace. That's what I want to do. That, that's what you got to do. You, you should always, as a Christian, be an amazing employee. You should. Here's a side note. We need more Christian businesses. We need more Christian-owned businesses who are willing to make a product better than the pagans. We need men and women who are willing to build things, cultivate, create culture, take dominion back from pagans. Like, I want to see businesses started where Christians... Listen, Christians can do anything. You can make a burger. You can make tables. You can have a lawn service. You can have an IT infrastructure business. You can do these things. Christians don't... Like, I always tell people whenever I go talk in high schools, what do you love to do? Sometimes what will happen is I'll get to go afterward. I'll have a... A time where kids will come up and talk to me and I'll say, what do you want to do with your life? And they'll say, well, I want to do this, 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 this. And my next question, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Have you been washed in the blood? Yeah. Okay, find what you love to do. Put Christ in the middle of it and run. I knew a guy that had a, a, an online, he, he was really big into gaming. Like he loved gaming. His name's Zach. And Zach loved gaming. He was a youth pastor. And what he would do is he would create these giant land parties for these, for these kids. And while they're playing the video games that they played, like Call of Duty, they'd be playing Call of Duty, and in the middle of it, he'd talk about, what's your duty to Christ? Why is, why are, why is this game so attractive to you as a young man? It's, you're fighting a mission. You're, you have a goal to accomplish. You have a mission to accomplish. And he'd incorporate the gospel in the middle of that. While they're, pl- every, you know, they're playing the game, and this guy's preaching to them while they're playing the game. Love it. I love it. That's fantastic. If there's ways that you can figure out to put Christ in the middle, do it. But yeah, this week has been on the phone with Brock and just talking about this table and talking about how I'm tired of giving my money to the pagans. I'm just tired of it. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. And as a result of this, we need Christian businesses. We need Christians who stand up and say, okay, Let's create culture. Let's do something and make something. And let's see the gospel spread through our community. When I say I want to see Cedarvale become a Christian city, I want to see Christians take over here. Why? Because where Christian biblical theology rules and thrives, societies thrive. You don't see oppression. You know where we're seeing oppression? San Francisco, L.A., New York, Boston. Why? Because they're all run by pagan antichrist views. They're own. Why? We just can't figure out why, why things are going so bad here. Because you've let sin run amok in your place. And when sin runs amok, it will destroy everything. And it creeps in small, but it destroys everything.
We need Christians to build culture, to change the environment. We need Christians who have a, a, a creative bone in their bodies. Like we need to stop making crummy movies. Like I'm looking forward to seeing the blind. I'm hoping that the, the previews that I've watched and the things that I've listened to, it's actually well done. So I'm praying that we've got a good one here. Because any of you, you watch some Christian movies and you're like, oh, cringe. Anybody? I'm not the only one. Okay, good. Christians, we, listen, we have the ultimate storyteller in front of us. His name is Jehovah. He has told the best story. And that's who, gee, listen, you read the text. God is a master storyteller. And there's even been movies that have been based upon biblical events. Samson, Noah, Moses. Now, some of them are not perfect. And some of them maybe you might want to avoid because they've, they've put in a weird... Noah. <laughs> that was a weird one. That was a weird one. The giant rock people. That, I mean, that just wasn't, I don't even understand that one. That's weird. But the idea here is that we should do, like, you know what we, we like to do as a family? How many of you guys have ever been to Branson and go to Sight and Sound Theater? Like, you guys seen the, like, the first time we went there, we watched the, the Noah. It was, I was stunned. I was like, this is, this is top notch. This is incredible. I went to the Ark. That thing's top notch. It is not cut. There's no, there's nothing, they didn't cut corners. Like they, they did amazing things. There were people that flipped out and they were like, you spent a hundred million dollars on this thing. You know how many missionaries you could have funded with your hundred million dollars making this ark? And they said, we have almost a hundred thousand pagans come through here every year. How many pagans come to your church? Everybody shut down. Kim Ham, shut those guys down. How many, how many atheists do you got coming through your ark? Or through your church. Oh, you don't have that many? Okay. And guess what? The gospel is presented through the entire thing. Everything is based around the scriptures. Every display, everything that happens is, it talks about historical biblical Christianity. It's fantastic. I love it. So we need Christians. We need Christian business owners. We need Christian employees to work hard and Spread the kingdom. We need to see the kingdom spread. We don't need to be having the kingdom reviled or the name of Jesus reviled because we're lazy louts. That was my dad's favorite. Don't be a lazy lout. That was my dad's favorite word. We need Christians who are respectful, who honor their bosses, who are not going when, when they come up and say, hey, I need you to do this. You know, are you kidding me? Seriously? Why are you picking me? You know what you should do? Thank you so much. Looking forward to doing that. I'll, do, I'll be right on that, boss. Glad to help you. And listen, with that, become, there comes more responsibility. And some people, well, I don't want more responsibility. You should as a Christian. You should want more responsibility. You should want to be in a position of leadership so that you can influence others. I've got to do that with this new job. It, it, I've got to do some biblical counseling, some pastoral ministry in my job. It's fantastic because guess what? Those people are frustrated just like we get frustrated. They're struggling just like you're struggling. My employees are struggling just like you've struggled. 
And don't, don't you like it when somebody takes time out? Don't you like it when your pastor takes time out and talks to you, prays with you, tells you, lets you know there's hope? I'll never forget. I was working for a guy, working for a DSR, working for a company, uh, one of the companies that, that we helped uh, their broadband aggregation was Toys R Us. Remember that? I'm a Toys R Us kid. Remember, Remember that one? You young bucks in the back are like, what's that? <laughs> it was a great play. Toys R Us was fantastic. They, but I had, there was this guy named Bud. Bud was a fascinating individual. He was a cranky Roman Catholic. <coughs> I mean, he was a cranky one. And we, have a, we had a, ch- a ticketing tracking system, and I would type in there, Bud called in, I'd just B-U-D. And Bud got on the phone, he goes, Caleb. Oh, Caleb Gordon, you're the one who keeps spelling my name wrong in the tracking system. It's B-U-D-D, fella. Get it right. Came on, sir. Bud called in, B-U-D, parentheses, D. (laughs) He lost his mind, but he was like, that's the funniest thing I've ever experienced. And we, I mean, we, he would give me so much junk and I would give it back and had so much fun with him. And at the end of it, there was one day he, I I knew where to, how far I could step with Bud. And I felt like I'd stepped across the line and he lost his mind on me one day. And he said, I said, Bo, whoa, whoa, bud, are you okay? What's wrong? He said, my mom died. I said, well, we're going to stop this whole broadband can wait. Let's just take a few minutes. We're going to pray for your family. So prayed for him on the phone. Your call might be monitored for quality assurance. Don't care. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd be with Bud and you'd be with his family as he's going through this loss. That you'd comfort him in such a way that you could only that only is explained by you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood and your power and your mercy. God, I pray that you just do a work in Bud's heart. He starts weeping on the phone. He says, I've never had anybody do that in my entire life. Why would you do that? I said, because I love Jesus and I love you. That whole relationship changed. Now, did he still, was he still ribbing me? Oh, absolutely. Same goes, you guys have met John Mathis. He came here. He was an atheist that I worked with. He was my team lead. He was the guy that I reported to. I could have easily harbored up bitterness and anger and resentment towards this guy. Because he, in the beginning, he was a jerk. First day I sat down on the floor in the room, they said, they put this blankety-blank jerk with me. That's how, that's, how the, that's how we got introduced. Hi, I'm Caleb. Well, why the blank did they put him here? That's how we started our relationship. So me being me, liking to poke bears, I just leaned back and I said, Hey, John, where do you go to church at, fella? He goes, I'm a blankety-blank atheist. I said, Well, I'm not. I'm a Christian. Ten minutes later, he leans his chair back and goes, So let me ask you a question, Caleb. Game on. Let's play. He goes, you think I'm going to hell? I said, I do. And it breaks my heart. You don't have to. You can trust Christ and repent of your sins. He goes, we're going to get along just fine. So guess who called me last Christmas Eve and we talked for an hour on the phone? John Mathis. Guess who drove from Lawton, Oklahoma to Cedarville, Kansas because he wanted to see his buddy preach. He's seen me preach how many times, Jay? 17? 
He's come to me. He used to travel. With, when I do an itinerant and travel the country, I'd bring him with me. <laughs> he was my roadie. And so I would call venues and be like, listen, I'm bringing an atheist with me. He says he'll be calm, but I can't guarantee that. <laughs> and every time we'd be driving in the car, he'd say, you almost got me. You almost got me. I said, well, you're almost there. You're almost there. It could, you think I could have built that kind of relationship if I had been, hey, Caleb, I need you to look at this ticket. Shut up, John. I don't want to hear that. You think that would have gone well? No. I was respectful. Yes, sir. I'd be glad to help. And where I, where I did do things that were wrong, I quickly asked for forgiveness. Hey, man, I was wrong to do that. I shouldn't have done that. We need Christians in the business world who look different. We need employees who look different, who honor their supervisors. If you're a supervisor, honor your employees the best way you can. Pray for your folks. I'm trying to, I'm working together. I'm going to put together and implement a, a, a weekly touch point meeting where we can all get together. And I'm going to open us in prayer. I'm going to try to invade these dark spaces with the light of the gospel. I've been given responsibilities in a position. I don't want to waste that. So we as Christians, those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful. Do not be disrespectful with your employee. Why? Because Christ is more than enough. Christ is the one we need to be working for ultimately. Amen. That's who we are. That's who we should be. Not to defile or revile his name. But to honor that. Say, I love, I love Jesus. I work for Jesus. So guess what? Here's what we're going to do. So that's my hope for us. As Christians, that we work hard and we're not reviling the name of Christ.